Today we're going to continue. We're not really continuing our lesson on the on the true identity series, but we are going to take that series and kind of layer it into well, what does that mean when I look at my life application, things I can do from God's word, what I'm supposed to be doing in terms of action. And uh, so it's kind of a continuation of that series. Um, we're going to look at Second Corinthians five today. Primarily, we'll look at verses 12 through 20, uh, 21. We will look at the beginning of the chapter. We'll look at things like, like, like Paul is talking about, including things when he talks about being ambassador. He, he, he begins to speak about um, things in his life or things that, that uh, the Corinthian church is perceiving about him or his message. And it struck me that being an ambassador of Christ, I subtitled this message, An Irrational Life, right? Because it, it, at times it doesn't seem rational. But to, to set up the stage for us as we, as we, before we open the word, um, you know, in 2 Corinthians 5, Paul is talking about our, our bodies. He's talking about our human body. He's talking about our eternal body. He's talking about um, how literally our human body, the word he uses is tent, temporary. The word he uses for our eternal body is tabernacle, eternal, where God resides. Okay, so he makes, a, he makes a very distinct comparison there. He also talks about how our eternal body, our new body, will swallow up our old body in life. So his perspective is the eternal body is life, right? And we know that. Um, he talks about our current human body in terms of brokenness, sickness, sin, Failure talks about our eternal body in terms of perfection. He expresses a desire to go and be with God, but it's not a desire to just die and get out of this life and go because he has a job to fulfill. He has an ambassador role to fulfill, but it's a recognition that there's a higher calling and a higher purpose, which is to live with Christ. Right. We have a job here now, but our ultimate citizenship, our ultimate life is with Christ. And he also addresses for Christians, in verse 11, the fearful responsibility we have before the Lord. And it informs and motivates our actions and what we do for Christ in this life as we're called to serve. And then he really, really wrap all that introduction up. He talks about perception versus perspective, right? He talks about the the eternal perspective, the eternal reality, Versus the perception of how important this life is and, 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 the, and the tension between those two ideas and where as Christians we should be. So with that, let's open our Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5, verse 12. I think it's up on the screen. And let's start there. And like I said, with that as the background for what Paul is going to speak into here, he says this. Verse 12, are we commending ourselves to you again? No. We're giving you a reason to be proud of us so that you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ Love controls us. Some of your versions say compels us. 
Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task. God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. I'm going to pray, but I want to do something just a little bit different today. We've been talking about our true identity in Christ. We've been talking about asking God to speak to me. What what do you want me to hear? And then what do you want me to do about what I hear? So today as we pray, instead of me just praying, I just ask you to bow your head, close your eyes, and I ask you to pray that prayer and listen to what God has to say to you today. Then the message, something in your life, something God would have you do. Just pray that prayer and listen to what God has to say to you today in this moment, and then I'll close this in prayer. Father God, at this time and in this place, we want to hear from you. We want you to speak through your word, but more, we want to hear exactly what you would have us hear as your Holy Spirit communes with our soul. We open ourselves up to you, Father, and that's a... That's a fearful place to be, but we know that in you there is no fear. So talk to us, Holy Spirit. Reveal us. Open our hearts and minds to your word. Open our hearts and minds to what you want to say to us. And Father, give us the courage to act on your leading. Give this time to you. It's yours. It's always yours. And so we just... 
praise your name, thanking you for being a great God, a loving God. And we just praise your name in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, like I told you, I, I've subtitled this The Irrational Life because a lot of times what Paul talks about and what he tells us to do just doesn't seem to make sense to us from a human perspective, from a human point of view. And if you really want to flesh that out in terms of regular kind of everyday living behavior, just turn to Colossians 3 and read Colossians 3 this week. That'll be your homework. And read through where Paul says, this is how you used to be, but this is how you should be today. And how those behaviors tend to collide with how we know ourselves and how we live and how God calls us to live. But in Paul's example, he speaks to certain things um, when, when we look at uh, especially the initial verses, starting verse 12, in terms of what he's talking about, and I, and I see this as kind of uh, behavior that is somewhat rational versus irrational, again, as we talk about a Christian life, um, not only is, is, is the Christian life, in a way, irrational, hard to understand, because it varies and differs from how what I normally do, right, what I would do for myself. But it varies because there's an underwriting foundational principle that all of us, if we believe in in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, cling to. And that is God's love compels. God's love compels. Everything I do, everything I say should be based through the filter of God's love compelling me. And how often, if I'm honest with myself, do I live in a state where God's love compels me every single moment? It just doesn't happen. But that, that's the tension that exists between my old man, my old tent, and, and now my new body, my new, my new relationship with Christ, right? I'm, I'm no longer, um, the old life is gone, the new life has begun. So when I, when I talk about that, what I see is simply this. In verse 12, Paul says this. We're going to go through these verses kind of in a little more detail. In verse 12, Paul says this. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No. But we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who have a spectacular ministry rather than a sincere heart. And it struck me that, that often, you know, we all like a little praise. We all like a little pat on the back. We all like that ministry that people know and pay attention to. And yet Paul's perspective is that may be fine. But the real measure is a sincere heart. He talks about people perceiving him to be crazy, maybe saying sometimes, but crazy. And if we look at Paul's life, we understand that he did some stuff that was pretty crazy. It was pretty irrational. In, in, in Acts 14, he's in Iconium. He's preaching the gospel. He gets stoned. Go down about 15 verses later. And what does he do? He goes right back to Iconium to preach the gospel. That is not rational, folks. In Acts 19, he goes to Ephesus. Same thing. He's talking about the, their, their, their God, Diana. A riot happens, and he run, leaves town. But then he comes back later to speak to the church. In Acts 27, he's on a ship. He knows he's got to go to Rome. But the ship is in a storm, and it's going to go down. And he knows it's going to go down. But he is at absolute peace crazy, insane way to act. But he knew that, and he was able to give peace to the, to the crew of the ship, even though the ship did indeed go against the rocks and break apart. In some of these verses, we see God, God talking about giving glory. We see Paul talking about giving glory to God. 
instead of taking the glory for ourselves. Right? We see God, Paul's perspective of God being in control, verse 14 and 15, as opposed to my natural nature and the way, if we're honest, we still kind of live our lives. I still live my life this way to a degree and fight it all the time, but thinking that I'm in control, especially when it comes to my work. Um, We see what matters to Paul is how God's perspective, not man's opinion, right? We see in verses 16 and or we see in verses 8 and verse 18, it's God's gift. And yet how often have we interacted with people and I myself? I'm I'm a good guy. I don't, you know, God's God's love. I deserve. What I'm really saying is, my goodness, I'm owed. My wages are that I should be in heaven. Because I'm just a good guy. Kind of believe in God. Don't live that way all the time, but kind of believe in God. I believe he exists. Um, and that's not what Paul says. Paul's filter of his life is, it's God's gift that transforms me. And then in verse 20, and we'll read this section, he talks about being ambassador. But let's frame it up this way. Verse 18, and all of this is a gift from God. This gift brought us back to God through Christ. It's our faith in Christ. Because we have been brought back to God, follow, follow Paul's logic here in his teaching, we have accepted God's gift. The result of that acceptance is that it's brought us back into relationship with God. And, and because of that, God has given us this task of reconciling people to himself. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. As we are reconciled to God, our job, our responsibility is to reconcile others to God. It is our message and it is our mission. By the way, in this passage, God speaks to the fact that this is for all people. He gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ ambassadors. God is making his appeal to us. And when we speak for Christ, we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God. As we talk about what our true identity is and listening to God, there's two things I want you to know. Number one, reconciliation is for all people. It's not for a select group, right? It's kind of self-evident. But the second thing is, God will always speak to me. He speaks to me here. But when God prompts you, to Brittany's sharing. He will always prompt to deliver a message of reconciliation. It's not exclusively what he does, but is our primary role as ambassadors to God. By the way, what is an ambassador? Ambassador is a representative, right? It's like, it's like it's, I, I deliver the message of 
who I represent. I don't deliver my own message. I deliver the message and I represent the one who's given me the message to proclaim. And notice the difference here. There's two differences I want to draw out in the text here. Number one is when, when Paul talks about um, being an ambassador. You know, you think about an ambassador today. An ambassador, there's, there's strict, strict protocol. There's strict procedure. There's pomp and there's ceremony and all that stuff. And you speak highly and you speak in words, big words. And, you, you know, it's all this, this political language, right? But notice what Paul says what, for us as ambassadors. We don't speak in, as my daddy would say, highfalutin language. We have a message. It's a simple message. It's my story of how I was reconciled to God, about how God loves me and how now his love motivates and compels me. But the language that Paul uses is, is, is unprofessional. Because as an ambassador of Christ, I beg and I plead with you to be reconciled to God. The urgency of my message is conveyed in what Paul tells us as, as us, as believers in Christ, proclaiming Christ's message of reconciliation. The other thing I want to draw out, too, is, is simply back in the text. He, he uses two words when he's talking about our viewpoint of humans, you know, how we view others and the baggage that we bring to that. I don't like them because. I think of them because. They hurt me and therefore I will not. Um, pick your poison, right? We all have them. It's our baggage that we bear with those around us and those we meet. I don't like that group because. And, and Paul says, I used to think like that. I used to think from a human point of view. Pretty rational as I analyze myself. But he says, I don't think like that anymore. And he uses the example of his relationship with Christ to amplify that. He says, I used to think about Christ that way, but I don't anymore. As a matter of fact, let's read the text. It says this, verse 16. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. The flip side of that coin, even though he doesn't say it, is that now I evaluate others in a different way. I evaluate others based on Christ's perception. From a human point of view, it's totally irrational. But from a Christian's point of view, it's completely rational. And then he says this, and he uses Christ as the example. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. Now think about that for a minute. Paul was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, trained in the best schools, best school, best teacher, knew the scripture, could recite the scripture to you without having the scroll. New prophecy, new Messiah, new, new the fathers, new, you know, everything about what we refer to as the Old Testament, backwards and forwards. He was the man. He knew Christ. 
but he only knew Messiah from an academic point of view. He didn't really know him. So when he uses Christ as the example, he says, we stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, just what I described. How differently we know him now. Do you catch the change in thought? Do you catch the change in communication? I used to think about him one way. Now I know him. Now I know him. And again, what infuses that is now that I know him, I think about him in an entirely different way. Why? Because of his gift. Because of his sacrifice. Because of his reconciliation that now he calls us as his representatives to proclaim first and foremost. If you're here today, I know most of us here were believers. We, we, we settled that question a long time ago. But sometimes, often, there's somebody in a, in a group that says that it really is just they're not. Um, they may play the role real well. Um, they may be here with a friend. They may something else. Um, I would just say this. The Christian life is a Christian life that gives purpose and meaning. But there's an urgency to our message. And Paul actually addresses that in chapter 6. If we look at the first couple verses of, of chapter 6, it says this. As God's partners, again, as Christians, the ones, the ambassadors to convey the message, we beg you not to accept this marvelous gift of God's kindness and then ignore it. You've heard it, you receive it, you got it, but you just totally put it off. For God says, at just the right time, I heard you. He hears your questions. He hears your, your lack of belief. He hears your doubt. On the day of salvation, I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The whole message of reconciliation is don't wait. You're here you don't know Jesus, you haven't accepted, you don't really know God, today is that day. The urgency of our message is reconciliation. And there is a number of people in this church that have had their lives changed in a moment with news they have received or a phone call they have received, and some of us are living it today. And it is a stark reminder that today is the day. Don't put it off. And that's Paul's message. For those of us that are here as Christians... I want to take you back to where we started, right? We talked about this new body, this old body, what it means, the eternal. Turn back, look back to, to uh, verse 5 of 2 Corinthians 5. It says this, God himself has prepared us, has prepared us for this. And as a guarantee has given us this Holy Spirit, he's talking about our new body, old body, and that transition. He's prepared us for that. And the promise of that preparation is he's given us the Holy Spirit, which is his down payment on his word, right? He has made a payment that brings us into ownership, if you will, of his promises. Verse 6, so we are always confident, even though we know that as long as we live in these bodies, we're not at home with the Lord. We live by believing and not by seeing, yet we are 
fully confident and we would rather be away from these earthly bodies than we will be at home with the Lord. For then we will be at home with the Lord. So whether we are here in this body or away from this body, our goal is to please him. For we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or the evil we have done in this earthly body. Again, not, not our rightness before God that gets me into heaven. It's, it's our Christian activity that will be judged. So as we read that, a um, couple questions. And like I always tell you guys, you know, these are the questions I ask myself. You just get to hear them, right? You get to hear me talking to myself. First question. What is the primary and absolute goal of my life? See, for me, if I'm honest with you guys, <laughs> most of the time, that hasn't been God. Just putting it out there. Most of the time, it's been making enough money to provide for my family, to put a roof over our heads, put food on the table, and, and the good and the bad that comes with that. I travel a lot in my job. I was gone a lot when my kids were young. Right? That was my primary goal. God was part of that. Church was part of that. Serving a little bit was part of that. But it wasn't my primary goal. And I think part of the reason is, as we've we've talked about this series of true identity, one of the reasons that we ask God every day, what do you have to say to me today? Is because I think of what Paul says, if we look up in chapter 4 and we look at verse 16, he says this, after talking about all the trials and things he's been through, he says this, this is why we never give up. This is why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Why do we pray? Why do we read our Bible? Why do we seek the Holy Spirit? It is to renew our spirit. It's for our benefit. It's for our relationship. It's, 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 that, it's that intimate living and perspective and relationship with God. But it renews my spirit. It helps me to overcome fear. It helps me to live a life that's God-honoring. It helps me to have my priorities in the right places. Not that we sell everything we have and go live on a mountaintop and chant Kumbaya. That's not what he's talking about here. What is the primary and absolute goal of my life? He also says this. I find it interesting. In chapter 4, he says this. Continuing on from verse 16, he says, For our present troubles are small. They won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them all and will last forever. He's talking about his troubles as he serves God, right? The persecution and the things that he's endured, the things I described when we were talking about his life in Acts. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. We have plenty of troubles. Rather, we fix our gaze on the things we cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone. But the things we cannot see will last forever. So it begs the second question. How do I live? How do I live? Do I pursue the goal 
Remember my goal? What's my goal? To be an ambassador for Christ, to proclaim his message, to reconcile all. Do I live my goal? Is that my goal? Or do I pursue other things? A lot of my life, I pursue other things. To this day, this is a struggle. Because I want to do what Paul's telling us to do. But a lot of times I don't. Does the here and now, does my human situation dominate how I relate to God? Or, or, or am I Holy Spirit oriented? Again, why do we ask God to reveal to us? Why do we ask God to strengthen us to act? Am I Holy Spirit dominant? Is that how I live my life? How much am I willing to actually do as God calls me? You know, when I was younger, I, uh, I, would, have, I would have guys, we're going to, somebody, we actually have a scholar who's going to speak into this from the, the radio back there. Um, no, just kidding. Um, I, I would, uh, I was a Christian. I worked with guys at one point in my life knew I was a Christian. But I wasn't living anywhere near a Christian life. I certainly didn't ask God to direct me. I certainly didn't ask God to speak into my life. And there were times even in that that God would tell me as they would ask me questions to answer them. Even though I wasn't living anywhere near what we would call a Christian life. Answer them, man. You know, you can do this. You know the truth. They're asking you for truth. Answer them. And I would not answer them. Because my own guilt, my own shame, my own reality, which I knew was not God honoring, got in the way. My goal, as Paul also says, wasn't to please him. It was to please me. And so even in that, God would prompt me to say something, I wouldn't do it. How do I live? Do I live to please God? Do I live to please myself? In verse 7 he says, we live by faith, not by sight. Chapter 5. Do I really live by faith? Or is my focus here? As he says in chapter 4, where's my gaze fixed? Where is my gaze fixed? Am I solely focused on Jesus Christ and my true identity and my real life in Jesus Christ? Am I focused on that? Am I so focused that I'm confident? So the third question is, how confident am I in my faith? Paul says he is absolutely confident. Confident to endure, confident to proclaim, confident to be an ambassador. The question to myself is, am I confident enough to ask God to reveal truth to me? To listen to what he has to say to me? New concept for a lot of us. I was raised in a Baptist church where the, the, the Holy Spirit was considered like the third cousin twice removed. Am I confident enough in my faith and what motivates me to that action? What motivates me? His love compels me. If you take nothing else away, take away 
His love compels me to be His ambassador. Am I confident enough to listen to God? And then am I confident enough to act on it? It's one thing to ask him. I didn't even ask him. And he told me in the example I used. And there was no way. There was no way the way I was living. I'm surprised I even heard him, to be real honest. But there was no way I was going to respond. Am I confident in my faith? enough then to act when I hear him speak. See, my true identity is fundamentally an ambassador. I've said this before, I think a long time ago when I spoke. My identity isn't Ren Lawrence, wife, uh, husband of Amanda, dad of Sean, Sam, Nick, Tara, food industry, sales guy. That's not my identity. That defines me in my humanity to a degree, but my identity is Ren Lawrence, child of God. Ren Lawrence, child of God. Ren Lawrence, saved by God's grace and sacrifice and love. Ren Lawrence, an ambassador for Jesus Christ. That's my identity. And it's a funny thing about ambassador, right? Not to wax political, but Dinky Haley just resigned as our ambassador to the United Nations. But it's still Ambassador Haley. It's not Miss Haley. It's not Mr. Smith. It's Ambassador. She is forever linked as an ambassador for this country. It is her new identity for now, right? We as children of the king, our new identity is ambassador my role my function the goal of my life never changes in my new identity and what's my role what's my message be reconciled to God what does that mean that means that's foremost on your mind foremost in your heart foremost on your tongue what it means is that you're always ready to speak your story. It's not complicated. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's our message. Now, what does your story speak into that? That's our message. And contained in that message is be reconciled to God. Why? Because your love motivates me. Not fear, not punishment, not duty. Your love, God's love. That's the only motivation that will last. Everything else will fail. I was raised in a strict church. I tried to do that because I was told it's what I had to do. You know what I did? I got to a point I stopped and I went off the deep end. I didn't just stop, I just turned. But as an ambassador for Christ, it is my new identity. And I call this the three R's. It's really this simple for me. All right? Three R's. Number one, represent. Represent. Not in your outline. Represent. What is that? What does that mean? That's my life. 
my life speaks to the truth of my identity. It also informs my message. What's my message? Reconciliation. Represent, reconcile. Third R, pretty simple. Repeat. Represent, reconcile, repeat. With everybody you know, with everybody you come into, with everybody God places in your life. Ministry and mission, being an ambassador for Christ, my new identity, my true identity, never stops. As a child of the King, because of what he's done for me, it's who I am from this day forward. It's, it's who I am from the day I believed in him forward. But from this day forward, it's who I am. My goal in life is to please him as I fix my gaze, as I fix my view on the eternal, not the temporal, not the temporary, and to live in the truth of that faith, not by what I see around me. You know, for me, ask the band to come back up as we close with this. For me, one of the things that actually spoke into this is I thought about being an ambassador for Christ, and I, I told you that story about when I was younger. It, it, it just kind of struck me that what got in the way of me being what I should be in that moment and in moments subsequent to that is that somehow, some way, I got in, I got in front of myself. I got in my own head. I got, in, I got in the way of myself. And I just felt somehow I wasn't qualified. Yeah, I know I'm saved. Yeah, I know I'm forgiven. Yeah, I know. But I hadn't really hung on to what that meant. And somehow, some way, I felt like to be an ambassador for Christ, I just wasn't ready. You know? And, and the truth is, for a lot of us, we live this Christian life in a matter of degrees. Right? There's been times in my life where I've been 20, 20, 20% in. There's times in my life I've been 40% in. There's times in my life I've been 2% in. There's times in my life I've been 80% in. But if I'm honest, I've never been all in. And the life of an ambassador is all in. That's what God calls us to do. And somehow this idea that I could somehow, I just didn't measure up, just ate at me. And this is, I just want to share this. The first has really helped me in that, in that challenge. And I want you to turn to it. I just want to listen, you to listen to it, okay? Because intellectually, I know I'm qualified, right? I stand, you know, God saved me, right? But listen to what God says in Colossians chapter 1. As Paul talks to the church at Colossae, he says this, verse 19. Again, just, just hear Holy Spirit speak to you. For in all his fullness, for God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him God reconciled everything to himself. There's that word again. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes me. I'm going to make this personal. This includes me. Who because I was once far away from God. I was his enemy. Think about that. I was his enemy. Separated from him by my evil thoughts and my evil actions. 
Yet now he has reconciled me to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought me into his own presence. And I am holy and blameless as I stand before him without a single fault. To be called an ambassador of the Most High God. I don't know if, how many of you were here last week in second service. I had the privilege of hearing Colgate Clark pray as we prayed over him as they moved to Fresno for health reasons and other. Um, he prayed. And he prayed. Colgate is 97, 98 years old. And he prayed. God, prepare us as we go to a new mission field. Ah, my God. To have that perspective. To be leaned in so much to Jesus Christ that at 98 years old, he has that perspective. is is amazing. Our loss, his, wherever he goes to church, their benefit. Right? but ultimately benefit for the kingdom of God. You know, we're ambassadors of Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, if you take nothing else away, because His love motivates us. No matter where we are, no matter what we do, no matter where we go, no matter what condition we're in. And I want to just take this opportunity not to be self-serving in any way, but to let our church body know, you know, this has been a phenomenal place for us. This may be the last time I have the opportunity to speak to you. Um, and I think about that. And for a guy like me, to be able to have this with you, churches in our day and age just don't give that opportunity. They just don't. And yet I get to talk to you. I get to share with you what God says to me. I, 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 have, I have been given in this place the tremendous privilege of proclaiming His Word and serving Him. We are ambassadors, and we will be ambassadors wherever we go, but I want to let you know that Amanda and I are going to move to Texas in mid-January. We will be here for the next couple months. We're not going away, so don't treat us like we, you know, leper, go away. No, don't treat us like that. We're here. We're active. We're engaged. A lot of reasons to make this move, not the least of which is we feel like God is releasing us to go there for some purpose that he has for us. So I just want to share that with you. But in the context of no matter where we go, no matter where we find ourselves, no matter what condition we're in, first and foremost, we are ambassadors of God because His love compels me.